Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope that the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you in the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady in your divine arms. We ask you to continue to lead it with that high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. You may be blessed. Please be seated. The place of Scripture is the book of Ephesians, letter of Apostle Paul, written in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, into righteousness and holiness. We are continuing to be immersed in the revelation which God has poured out in the hearts, in the heart of His messenger and His apostle, the apostle of Christ. And we had and continue to have the privilege to be immersed into this word, to be affirmed in this word, and in order to dwell in this word, to live, to move, and to show the image of this word, of this revelation. You know, a very important component of our worship, we sing, we cry out before the Lord. This is very important. Scripture calls us to sing and to cry out in our hearts, in our churches, to declare the name of the Lord. Hearing the Word of God is placed very high above by God. Therefore, when we go into the house of the Lord, we observe our path. And of course, prayer. The place or the house of God is not just where we hear the word, but it is the place where we pray. The house of prayer for all the people. And whoever inclines his ear to hearing the law of God, or rather whoever departs from hearing the word of God, his prayer is an abomination to the Lord, and God closes his ear to the one who rejects hearing the word of God. We know that in this revelation, and we have heard many times, we always focus our attention on the fact that there are three verbs. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. 
we, for fairly quite some time now, have already studied what it means to set aside how to renew with the spirit of our mind and we are immersed in order to be affirmed and we are surrounding the following verb that is to be clothed very important verb for God has given birth to us and given us a deposit so that what is mortal can be swallowed up by mortality so that we can be clothed into the new man and waiting for when God is going to clothe us into the new man we with the prophet Isaiah that which has not yet happened but is going to as is written in Isaiah chapter 61 verses 10 through 11 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord the prophet Isaiah called that inexistent as existent I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels for as the earth brings forth its bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth he prophetically saw this and you know this prophet of the Lord Isaiah he teaches us and pushes us to call the inexistent as existent to repeat after me as Peter had wrote in first Peter as we remember whom you have not seen you love but having faith in him we rejoice we rejoice in a joy this joy begins to fill a person he says with joy I shall rejoice in my Lord and I shall be glad for my soul shall be glad in the Lord why will the soul be glad in the Lord because it is renewed and an unrenewed soul if we are not renewed by the spirit of our mind we can't speak of any kind of joy this joy is going to be fleshly temporarily it is just going to be a temporary emotion that appears no a renewed soul is complete and full joy in the Lord and we read about this joy when he says you are faithful in what was little you walked you observed yourself you did not look from side to side you did not enter into those fears which God did not lay upon you well how about him what about he remember Peter asks about John he says well what about him Lord and he says well this isn't for you to worry about what about him if I want him this is my relationship with him don't ask well what about him what about the other one well what about they what how come they do that no God has placed a his apostle as the watchman in the church and of course the watchman is observant and he is told by God to be observant and to tend to the church of the Lamb and when each of us 
observe our ways, we hear, enter into the joy of your Master, for the God leads us into this joy. Our Lord Jesus, God, Yahweh, He is a joyful being, triumph and joy in this holy place, there where He dwells, there dwells joy, He carries the atmosphere of joy. Blessed is God, He is called blessed, blissful. He has joy from the works that He does, and then He says, Come closer, enter into this joy, into the joy of your Master, because you are faithful in the little. Of course, our Pastor has given us seven of these components out of Scripture that point to our clothing into the new man. There are more, there are more than seven. However, seven represents fullness. To be clothed into the new man, in this is present a kind of fullness. First, this is clothed in the garments of salvation. He is covered with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Clothed in linen, pure and bright, and having accepted the representative power of Yahweh of hosts. As a result of one's dedication and trust in the Lord. We have stopped to study the second point that sounds, He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. In depart on the measure of that price that is necessary to pay for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness, or rather the robe of righteousness. And we have already studied six different prices and have stopped to study the seventh one, again, the number seven. I like these points. You know, there exist points that we have. And in these are fullness, the fullness that fills all in all. And of course, we want to know and to be clothed in this fullness. And the commandment of the Lord acts in our life based on the measure of our knowledge. The seventh point, or the component of the price for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness in order to fulfill the justice of God. Remember, he who is spiritual judges all things, and no one may judge of him. Well, why does he then have the opportunity to judge? Because... Because he fulfills, he fulfills that which God gives him. We have heard that a lamp, Pastor Daniel, he reminded us, look into the sphere, what is a lamp? You know, I never paid attention. I thought, well, I'm going to read about this lamp. It turns out that a lamp, there's a lamp that is in the tabernacle. They had 10 cups. There were ten of them total. And all of Israel had to partake in the pouring out of oil for this lamp. On each one, God placed this burden and this responsibility to care for this oil, for this lamp. And when the angel speaks to Zechariah and he shows the lamp, and that lamp, it had only one cup on top and the oil that falls into it. And Zechariah is asked, what does this mean? And he says, you don't know what this means? 
You know, the lamp of the Lord is the spirit of a person. A person ought to know this. Looking at this lamp, the angel looks at the spirit of a person and sees this lamp. And he says, well, well, what is this referring to? But we've already been taught by God and we understand that this is referring to our spirit. We, with our spirit, are called to collaborate with the spirit of God. And there is the lamp. You know, someone who has been placed by the Lord is also a lamp. So, the one from whom we hear the word, we collaborate our lamp with the word that we hear, and our cup is open to the Lord. And then this oil can end up and be found in this cup, and our lamp burns. Of a lamp, it is said that it is a lamp of salvation. That's why if it begins to dim out, then a person begins to lose salvation. Therefore, when we hear about the price, and when we look at this and see this number seven, then of course our hearts are prepared. Otherwise, oil will not lend up in our lamp and it will begin to dim. But we are called to be opened before the word of God so that we can then fulfill this word. Basic was meant by God to be the blessed fate for all of those who would come to him in which God received the opportunity to fulfill judgment over his enemies that persecuted his chosen remnant we also noted that each detail of the yearly celebration of Pesach yearly and there were many thousands of these years God again and again spoke about this again he spoke about this every year this important truth was reminded and it yearly each detail of the celebration of Pesach pointed to the to the final freedom of slavery and to sin and death in the body we wait we are waiting for this final separation from slavery in our bodies It is deliverance from sin, and in the future, the final deliverance from the decaying body itself and the and the mortal soul, which, thanks to the worthy partaking of Pesach, will be clothed in immortality and imperishability. For the treasure of the Pesach feast to become a reality for us, Scripture has given us ten conditions, not just to fulfill them, we don't just fulfill them and then observe, but we continue, continue daily to fulfill these conditions. This was year after year, a continual path. A person had to live in continual fulfillment of these conditions. And this is written about in the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus. First one is to separate the Pesach lamb. Second, this is to remove all leaven from the home. Third, this is to sprinkle with blood the doorpost and the lentil of the doorpost. Fourth, this was to bake the whole lamb in fire. Five, this is to gird oneself with a sash. Six, this was to put on shoes. Seventh, this was to take a staff in the hand. Eight, this was to eat the lamb fully. Nine, this was to lead, eat the lamb with bitter herbs. And tenth, this is to eat it in haste. We have already covered seven and even eight of these conditions 
and I will turn quickly to the eighth one and then we will turn to the ninth condition talking about or rather returning to the eighth condition I will remind you that scripture mentions four disciplines that define the requirement of eating the lamb fully that has been baked in fire there are four of these conditions this is to not eat the lamb that has not been fully baked baked this is not to eat the head of the lamb or rather this is to eat the head of the lamb to eat the feet of the lamb and to eat the insides of the lamb a lamb that has not been fully baked uh, baked is incomplete readiness or lack of maturity this points to someone that has not passed the test for his faithfulness Revelation chapter 17 verse 14 these will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them for he is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful the we hear continually that when a person comes to God and he receives salvation he receives receives it in the subject of a seed he receives it as a deposit and he receives the calling of a called person God has called him when a person has come and reacted to this to this call God gives him this calling and in this calling he gives him the deposit of salvation but he must not just end up being called but end up being chosen a chosen person is one who places the silver of his master into circulation He must die to himself, to die in the death of Christ, in order to offer fruit with the law, to die to the law, in order to live for the one who died and rose. But when And when he brings fruit, this is wonderful, this fruit must be protected. What God has given must be protected. Right now, we have this task. How much have I been able to hear what Pastor Daniel has given to us we right now are affirming that which God has already given to us and that which we have already grown but we ought to affirm it any king when he sat on the throne it was not an ordinary Israelite this was a person that had to be anointed to reign and when he ascended on the throne God gave him the time in which he needed to affirm or rather establish his kingdom to make his calling firm and his election to be sure so that he may not stumble and then this person is faithful and if he is not affirmed and if there is no calling in him then he does not eat the fully baked lamb baked lamb to eat of the lamb is to become the lamb to be likened to the lamb to be transformed into the image of this lamb and he is so he is faithful To eat the head of the lamb means to accept over oneself and to submit oneself to the delegated authority of God. John 13, 20, the words of Jesus Christ, Most assuredly I say to you, He who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Sometimes people ask, well, people not in, even sometimes in our church, I've met sometimes on vacation, when you are talking with people when they ask what church are you from and I begin to share and they say 
How can you speak so, so? How can you speak about this with such, uh, with such boldness? I said those of the last time are going to be prosperous in their evil. We are affirmed in that which we know, knowing whom we are taught by. I say, I know this is what I'm taught. This is what I'm told by Pastor the person whom God has sent. I know whom I am taught by. That's why I can so boldly and so firmly speak this truth. I am unshakable and I say, don't argue with me. Don't argue with me because you'll waste your time on this. I am affirmed in this word. I know whom I am taught by. This is what the Lord has taught us through our pastor. Acknowledging and submission to the delegated authority is accepting the authority of God over our life, which makes our proclamation before God legally legitimate, giving Him the right to be our protection and to protect us. Psalms 91 verses 1 through 2, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. So somebody that is filled with peace. He dwells in the covenant of peace. And of course, he is found under the secret place in the shadow of the Almighty. People say, well, what if your pastor isn't teaching you correctly? You know, there is the one who holds the seven lamps in his hand. He holds them in his hand. And seven lamps the seven churches is the fullness of the church. He holds his church in his hand. He will correct if there is an error, but this is not my care. I must be like Ruth, the Moabite. She says, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you die, I will die. And I shall be buried in the death of Jesus in the same place, in the same words. This is not referring to literal things, but the calling to be nearby, to live as one body, so that we can live together and die together. And of course, when we're, we are in such a state, then God will correct and fix, and even if there is an error. But when we live and, live and we have been born and we are offered the pure milk of the word, we are offered the milk and we are told to eat, otherwise you will not be a healthy child. In your future, you will have a bad immunity. You're going to get sick easily. I know from experience in my family, I have four kids, the more a child... The more he drinks his mother's milk, the more healthier he is. He is strong. And you know that this person, this small person for life, now has a strong immunity. Therefore, if he begins to ask, what kind of milk am I drinking? What did mom eat today? And of course, he begins to act in such a way. Then this isn't an infant. This is some kind of strange person. And if 
he is selective, then of course he's going to grow up and be a very sick child. Be a very sick child, and when milk ends, he doesn't. He continues. He continues to. And in our lives, we must be as these newborn babes who have loved the pure milk of the word. To eat the feet of the Lamb is to be led by the Holy Spirit or to walk by faith and not by sight. As it is written, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. And this means to lay our trust and to focus not on what we see and what we feel in the physical world and in our physical body, but that which we do not see, for we know out of the written word it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So these are smart young people out there. Ooh, so perhaps they are God's people, but they are young. They're very young. Scripture calls them so. Well, that's not how I understand it. That's not the way I see it. This is not walking by faith. This is walking with our own intellect. And this is dangerous. God will bring this person to judgment. Rejoice, O youth, and walk along But know that as you walk, you will be judged. A faithful child, his child who has loved God and who has been taught to walk not by vision but by faith, in him these words are fulfilled. Those who believe in the Son of God do not come to this judgment, and those who do not believe and do not trust, and they say, I don't understand it this way. When God leads to the most important, the soul of a person will not understand in such a way. That's why it's necessary to die, to take one's soul away, to despise one's soul. The soul is our understanding. We know that the soul is comprised of the intellect. There is the will, and there are the emotions in there. The soul has a tripartite essence. So when someone says, I don't I don't understand it this way, then in saying this, he says, my soul does not want to walk along the ways of the Lord and I do not want to fulfill the statute of Pesach. But we know that God will bring such a person to judgment over this. It would be better for us to not end up at this judgment. For us to be a part of that category that are under the secret place of the Most High. Faith is information. As we hear, I was talking with a person before he had a master's degree and he was very knowledgeable. And we were standing outside, there was a sunset, the most beautiful sunset, and he says, I'm an atheist, Dima. And I told him, well, you said you're a knowledgeable person. He says, yes, I got a master's degree. And in, in conversation, I can tell that he has uh, education. And I said, look at this, everything that is around us, these orbits, these clocks, how all of the planets surround each other, how beautifully all of this has been made. And this is astonishing. And you truly want to tell me that there is no God? You know, he was 
doubtful and he's like, well, I won't say that there is no God, there is some kind of God, but you Christians, I don't believe in your kind of God. And I said, well, then that's a different question. Then you're not an atheist, you're a believer, but you have stumbled somewhere and perhaps you have not ended up in a true church, you have not understood the truth. That's a different question, and I, but I told them, you're not an atheist, believe me. And I wanted to call him a bad word. It was already on my lips, but he, on time, said that, no, this can't be that for all of this beauty, all of this beautiful picture for to just exist on its own, to exist without anything, without an origin. So by faith, we know that out of the invisible occurred the visible. Another important detail, to eat the feet of the lamb means to not just have to not just work with invisible things, but to transform these invisible realities to visible. Hebrews 11.1 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When we have faith, when, when this preached word of God is heard by us, when it has been accepted by us by the depths of our heart, and when on the basis of this we proclaimed this faith, with our lips, it became the achievement of our heart. This faith has been born in it, and we, out of the invisible, can bring this into reality. Therefore, we can proclaim and call the inexistent as existent, because it is in the visible realm, it is in the depths of our heart. A very important component to eat the insides of the lamb is to penetrate into the depths of God. And we have this opportunity partaking of the Pesach. We are able to penetrate into the depths of God because the insides of the lamb is an image of the depths of God. To be found in the depths of God is to be found in inaccessible light which cannot be comprehended with the physical capabilities of man, but is that imperishable inheritance that God has prepared for those that love Him. 1 Corinthians 2.10 But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. The eyes of our hearts see this. When we begin to look into the depths of God, we begin to see this very clearly. The Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And through the order of God, this is revealed for the saints. The ninth requirement, there are ten of them total, important one, the ninth one. The ninth requirement for worthy partaking of Pesach is to eat the Pesach lamb with bitter herbs and unleavened bread and one does not work without the other and if I eat it only with unleavened breads but I don't eat them with bitter herbs then I am violating the Pesach of the Lord and I begin to perish we can't we can't separate 
the bread so we can't separate the bitter herbs. There have to be unleavened breads and bitter herbs. Exodus 12, 8-10 Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. To eat the Pasic lamb roasted in the fire with unleavened breads and bitter herbs was necessary to do it in that night. In other words, eating of the Pasic lamb was limited to the time of that night in which the lamb was pierced. The meat that would remain until morning had to be burned in the fire. The night passes, the day has come. Let us act as children or sons of light, calling the inexistent as existent. We, in doing so, act as sons of light, because the day has come near, the day is near, the night is ending, and we must fulfill this basic statute. And we remember what happens. This angel will pass by, and man will then begin to perish. And I, during that night, will go along the land of Egypt, and in each home, each home of the Egyptian shall die the firstborn. Egyptian, one who does not observe Pesach, one who has not taken the blood and sprinkled it on the on his doorpost. This is someone that says, well, perhaps let me look outside the door and see what is happening. No, the angel of death, you don't need to look there. Do not love the world and the things in this world. One pastor says, this is a mausoleum, don't look there, don't go there, don't have fellowship, don't do this. Because when you begin to look at something, you have not fulfilled the statute of Pesach. I say this first and foremost to myself. The meat that remained in the morning had to be burned. A question arises, what was the purpose in what God had spoken regarding this? And and what kind of truth did God want to clothe a person? For the purpose of every truth is, on one hand, to free a person from slavery to every kind of dependence in order to depend on God, and on the other hand, to lead a person into the inheritance of the saints in the light. We should always note that every truth becomes the achievement of a person and clothes him with itself only after a person knows it with his heart. We must also acknowledge it with our mind, but we ought to love the Lord with all of our heart and then all of our mind Mind is present. We are called to accept with the mind. First, we accept it with the heart. Accept it with the heart. Fertilize it. And in order for this to happen, there has to be God's order present. This word must not be stolen. Otherwise, when I take this word that is stolen, I am transformed into this and cannot be in the correct order of God. 
when we are found in a covenant with God in which God has promised to lead us into the inheritance of the land. This is the main difference between knowledge with our mind and knowledge with our heart. When we acknowledge with our heart, we are found under the legal framework of truth. John 8, 31-32, the words of Christ. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And, but these Jews, these Jews then wanted to kill him. They did not fulfill this condition. From these words, it follows that the knowledge of every truth belongs only to the person who is clothed in the dignity of a disciple of Christ. And here we see the order of God. We must know who speaks these words of God to find, to find this kind of person, to find this virtuous wife. And this virtue of a disciple is the inheritance of the fact that this kind of a person is on the legal framework of a covenant with God and dwells in the truth of the preached word. He does not control. He does not control the words of the teacher. He accepts them. Sometimes he may not understand them. When he doesn't understand yet accepts, this deeper word deeper penetrates into the depths of his heart. It is found then in a vessel. And when this word is known and accepted, this is great. A person right away begins to rejoice because when the oil is poured out into the lamp, he perhaps, all, all of a sudden there's a large flame and he begins to burn and he says, yes, truly this person is, is speaking the truth. Wonderful. But it's even better when a person doesn't understand but knows who is speaking. And this word then is found deep in his spirit, in his vessel. The oil in the lamp, as we know, is very important. If we don't, if we don't understand some kind of truth, we shall not be dismayed. We should, having accepted it in the heart, keep it there. The level of knowledge of every truth depends on the level of the dedication of a person to God. Dedication to the preached word of God. We are called to dedicate ourselves in order to fulfill it. That's why we walk not we go not just to church but to cell group as well. This is important. In doing so, we express the level of our dedication. Our dedication to this preached word. When we come, we don't study whatever we want. There are very many truths in scripture. We study that truth that we have heard, we are affirmed in it, we uncover it even deeper and greater. And we demonstrate before God and express this in, in the literal sense. Our dedication to the preached word of God. Whereas the level of dedication to God depends on the spiritual level of a person. So here's a tie here. Here's the thread that we see. People say, well, I don't want to go to church today, to cell group today. I'm going to remain at home. Well, this is the age of a person. Well, you can't force him. You can offer him, let's let's eat more. 
We know that's what children are told. You must eat. You must eat more. Eat potatoes. You are going to grow and become strong. And then, especially with boys, boys of the male gender, he is ignited and he says, I want to eat more. Where is church today? Where is our cell group today? I want to be strong in the Lord. I want to grow and I want to grow up. And I want to have success in the Lord. And so the greater will be the spiritual level of a person, the greater will be the level of his opportunity to acknowledge the truth. In the first apostolic church, their dwelling in a covenant with God was expressed in the fact they continually dwelled in the teaching of the apostles, in fellowship with one another, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. Prayer services are important. Fellowship is important. The teaching of apostles' doctrine is number one as the head of all of these. And prayer and fellowship, there must be a goal, a center, the center of the apostles' doctrine. Because at the head must be the teaching, the doctrine of apostles. People are majority of people, not everyone, people, there are some that live on their own plot of land and people say, the world has changed, why are you going to live so far away on your own plot of land? But these, I've seen on television how there are these people that lived for 70 years on their plot of land. I'm a person that likes indiv- like to be in, to be alone, just by my nation. There are some people that they like any kind of fellowship. They're everywhere. But there are those that prefer to be quiet. And I've noticed that I grew tired of people as if the juices are flowed out of me and I want to be on my own. And this is just my, my physiological uh aspect but to be as as those that live for 40 years and then don't see people that talk to nature and as if they're you know everything is fine in their life and when they are brought out to people they say they live a little bit and they say no it's better over there on my plot of land i lived there nobody bothered me they say people are problems but there there's only one problem it's me and i was able to deal with myself People in their majority like to have social interaction, to have a lot. They make groups together according to interests. And of course, in church there must not be a club, there must be one interest, however, the teaching of the apostles. This must be the common interest and everything else surrounds it. This is according to scripture. To dwell, or rather continue steadfastly, is to be found to exist. The meaning of this verb, to continue steadfastly, identifies the name of God that is tied to the dimension of eternity, and it defines the essence of God. Dwelling, or continuing steadfastly, is a spiritual word, or rather the biblical definition that the Holy Spirit places into this place of Scripture is origin, life, eternity, existence, being found, the definition of our origin, the discovery of our origin, 
and ruling over her origin. That which came to be before anything came to be, the Word. That's why we say in the beginning was the Word, and we surround the teaching of the apostles, because that's what the first disciples had done. They had shown an examples to all the following. And so the disciples could partake of the breaking of bread at any time of, of day. And we are talking about the eating of Jesus, who was, is, and is to come, the celebration of Pesach that was observed. And it tells us that the image of night they looked at in a kind of truth that is contained in the work of the eternal inheritance of redemption that was has been found in God, and that was called to define the state of the heart, allowing God to produce an exchange of fates in which the inheritance of curse of disobedience was laid on Christ and the life of obedience of Christ to God became the life of man. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23-24 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In this manner, the Pesach lamb in the New Testament, presented by unleavened breads, we're talking about unleavened breads and bitter herbs. And the necessity to bring a literal lamb fell away because it was the shadow and the uh, future image of things to come. Is an image of Christ who suffered for the sins of his people. In scripture, the breads that served as an image of the sufferings of Christ was called the breads of uh, bitterness. Matzos, as we know, these are unleavened, and the Jewish people, they still, during Passover, they eat. It's called matzos. If perhaps no one has ever tried it, but this is the bread that is, that is eaten. It is, it is granulated, it is very thin. They know that they can't make it straight. It has, it, has to be, it has to have a little bit of terrain on it because it had to represent the wounds of Christ. Therefore, Pastor here also had mentioned this Amatso, he had mentioned it in his sermon when he was talking about this. And this bread is called in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 2 through 3 Therefore, you shall sacrifice the passer to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. You shall eat no unleavened no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. You may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt. So it's not just here to... You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction. For it to be good, it's necessary to not just not eat unleavened, but to eat breads, so that we do not violate it. 
So try not to just not sin, but try to dwell in the teaching. Dedicate yourself to the word of the apostles. Fulfill it. Otherwise, everything else will be non-fulfillment of the Pesach feast. Don't think that I am saying this to you. I am first saying this to myself. And second, there are people that don't understand this. You know, we've understood this. We know this. We are affirmed in this word. But there are those that perhaps will hear this word. And it will be brought to them that they, they will accept it. Therefore, uh, our goal, though, is to affirm this word in our essence. In Hebrew, the bread of affliction contained the following definitions. Affliction, humility. When the breads of affliction were seen as the being, then in Hebrew they contain the following meaning. They contain the meaning of Christ, the figure of Christ. Poor, watching, watchful, humble, meek, calm, restrained, soft, peaceful, quiet. The Pesach lamb was given to Israel to exit out of Egypt in order to enter into the Promised Land. Having been found in Egypt, which was the image of their soul, Israel, thanks to their bread of affliction, which in that moment was their food, for one night had they, in one night they had received deliverance from slavery in Egypt. They had one other plague. The choicest army of Egypt was drowned in the waters of the sea. When Jesus, dying on the cross, cried out, It is finished, then the truth that is contained in this event of this one night, under the condition of its knowledge, was called to free a person from slavery to his soul, which dependent on which was dependent on its nation, household, and corrupt desires. Furthermore, partaking of the Pesach lamb baked in fire and eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs is seen as the inheritance of the glory of God that is placed in a person or the literal acceptance of Christ in our essence. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the literal acceptance in our essence. That's why it's important for us to abide in the breaking of bread, to accept this essence of God in us. The mystery of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, accepted in our essence through our worthy partaking of the Pesach Lamb, was called to make our body dead to sin and alive to righteousness. Romans 8.10 and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. It is then when Christ and the subject of the lamb roasted in the fire with bitter herbs and the leavened breads is found in us. We receive the right and the ability to represent the perfect will of the Heavenly Father on earth, in heaven, and in hell. Unleavened breads is an image of the property of purity and truth which the Son of God himself had. The property of purity and truth accepted by us in the breads, which yield the teaching about the resurrection, or rather the justification of Christ through instruction and faith, is called to serve before God as evidence 
of a lack in our heart of any kind of blemish or evil. When a person says, well, I am trying, I'm not so bad off. But the truth is in the fact that we have sinned and have been deprived of the glory of God. We became perishable and mortal. We stepped in the ash and are found in the ash. Even Jerusalem, if you remember that place of scripture, arise Jerusalem, shine forth, for your light has come. Shake off the ash, the dust from you, because Jerusalem, we know, is found in their decaying body. It is found in this dust, in this ash, and in it is the law of sin and death. First Corinthians 5, 8, Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The basic lamb could be eaten only by a pure person, and a person can become pure and be seen by God as pure only in Christ. In Christ, this is in the Word of God and in the Church of God, a person is a part of the body. This is in Christ, because there is the head, there is the body. If he is not a part of the body, he is not found in Christ. No way he can be found in Christ. Eating of the Pesach lamb and the subject unleavened breads, pure in Christ is unblemished truth, unblemished by sin, virgin, righteous, and perfect. Him, him who has not known sin, uh, we begin to then remember, well, hold on, I've had this sin. God says, I don't understand what you're talking about. When was it? It wasn't. This was washed. This was destroyed. This was blotted out. When you came to me, I don't remember it. Truly, Lord, you don't remember? Yes, I don't remember. Okay, that means that I need to forget and I will not remember. It says, imitate the Lord. If God doesn't remember when someone says, how can I forget such a thing? My sin is always before me. You know, that's how David prayed. David prayed because Christ had not yet come. But when Christ came, sin was destroyed. It was destroyed by the sacrifice of Christ. Therefore, we come, we confess our sin, and the man of God our pastor, our apostle, Arkadi, or Pastor Daniel, he can accept confession. He says, after this, now forget it. By the word of the Lord, forget about it. You will not say this to someone who begins to hide their sin, but when a person confesses, he has only as a revelation from God that God forgives this sin. He departs it. He removes it. Then he says, and now we will Remove it and place it through your lips on the goat Azazel. Repeat after me. I thank you that you, Lord, give me a heart when I you have forgotten, therefore I have forgotten. That's it. Your sin is washed. You are justified. Now never remember, never again remember that you have fallen. You are pure, unblemished. He has known sin for you and took it upon himself. 
and this kind of purity in the subject of unleavened breads, as we had known it, is called to be accepted by us through our walking in the light of the truth that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ. We shall not forget that the blood of the cross of Christ receives its opportunity to show its action of truth through our fellowship with one another that is tied and yielded by a mutual bond that represents the order of light. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son cleanses us from all sin. One time I came to pastor and I said, That person sinned and I have been told about him. And this person who shared with me was a witness of this sin. And when the brothers had called him out, this was in another church, the brothers called him out and he said, I never did this, this is a lie. I said, Pastor, well, how can then a person say this? He says, he can say this only in one case. If God has taken this sin off of him and there is no more sin, and I remember this was many years ago. This was back on Stan- at Stanley, perhaps 20 years ago. And then I thought, how? This person sinned. He, there were witnesses and so forth. And then this person is a pastor of the church, and he says, I did not do this. He says, he might be a liar, but if God has taken the guilt off of him, he can say in boldness before God, I have not done this. But... And now I understand why pastor said this, but then I didn't understand. I thought, how? What is this? I stumbled. I stumbled when I had heard this, but God, according to His mercy, He has taught me. And He will teach those who accept the authority of God and don't depart from God, even when they don't understand something. To define if we truly are partaking of the basic of the Lord with unleavened breads and herbs, we will turn to results that will occur. The results that will occur from those that dwell in the grace of God. And right now, we are not looking side to side, but looking at ourselves because this word is meant for us. First, partaking of the basic of the Lord with the breads of purity and truth will have the opportunity to disti- to distinguish pure from, or rather clean from unclean. Leviticus 10, 9 through 10, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. Despite wine, uh, we know, we know that we do not partake in w- literal wine. You know, there is the wine of harlotry. We must not be dependent on our feelings. And when our feelings begin to control us, this means that we have partaken of wine. Do not eat wine. Wine has been placed by God as as a, a ruler. And collaborating with our faith, we are dependent on our enlightened mind, not on our feelings. Well, when we say, I feel like something is not right, well, feel all you want, if you want to feel. But you can remove these feelings, you can command them, you can tell them feelings, begin to praise the Lord. 
because the mind is enlightened and knows knows that God has died for you begin to praise the Lord and tell your soul to your feelings why are you cast down O my soul why are you disquieted within me trust in the Lord for I shall praise the Lord and cry out his holy name you begin to see and notice that the feelings begin to dissipate it's not enough for them to dissipate we must praise and exclaim before God until our feelings begin to jump from joy then we can go on and do as 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 we would go to work and to eat and so forth it is the teaching about sanctification that we can accept only through instruction and faith that allows us to eat the basic lamb with breads of purity and truth this sanctification and continually and we have encountered this many times when some kind of topic is rises and we sit there and we think well this this is truly about me this is my situation exactly this is what God does because we are found in the church I have endured this on many different occasions in my experience and I can understand in part those people that say well our pastor it's as if he's listening in on us you know this was what they said about Elisha too they said that which you are talking about in your secret room when all all of the soldiers began to talk of his thoughts they said gather all of the commanders all of those that partake in the council who is with Israel and someone says no there are no spies that which you are speaking in your secret room the prophet Elisha knows that's why he tells the king of Israel and he says go go tell them the Syrians are there everything he hears in the secret room the prophet of the Lord sees he penetrates with his spirit that's why the sanctification that we undergo he receives the prophet of the Lord receives direction from the Holy Spirit when he preaches from the pulpit second partaking of the basic of the Lord with the breads of purity and truth will give us the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord then I will give the people pure lips so that they may call on the Lord and serve Him unanimously, unanimously without acknowledging the teaching of justification that yields the breads of purity and truth we will never be able to have pure lips third partaking of the pakes of the Lord with breads of purity and truth will give us the opportunity to see God in ourselves and also next to us where the others don't see Him but where he dwells. Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This kind of blessedness was the mutual collaboration of God and man in which both of the sides had fulfilled the condition established by God which had allowed a person to partake of the basic lamb with breads of purity and truth. The result of such partaking is a kind of blessedness or bliss 
blessedness in which a person will see the Lord before him, which will allow him to be transformed into the image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to have a seal on the forehead. When a person has this seal, he sees the Lord before him, because this seal means that he has the Word of God before his eyes. And let this be a bind before your eyes, these words of God, that he will teach you. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. May these words not just be before your eyes, but also at your right hand. Right hand means I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fourth, there are seven of these components as results. Result, we're checking ourselves. Do we partake of these breads or not? He who partakes in the Pesach of the Lord with the breads of purity and truth will have the opportunity to lift his hands to God. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. People say, I come to church and the women are raising their hands. What kind of what kind of disorder is this? This was previously way long ago in our church. People saw this as disorder. People didn't understand at that time that a husband is placed by God as head. And the, the male gender is to proclaim, therefore, men and women can lift up their hands before God to proclaim. We consider that in Christ Jesus there is no male and female gender, then the definition of a man relating to prayer is noting the function of the proclamation of faith. This kind of a person that I just had just told you about. He then himself can't lift up his hands, and even if he does lift up his hands, he will receive, he will receive a retribution for it. They're, these hands are not pure, so he can't lift them up to God. According to the law, each time we accept in our heart the seed of the word of truth, and when we fertilize ourselves with it, we, regardless of our gender, fulfill the function of the female gender. When we proclaim with our lips, the seed of the word of truth that comes from our heart. We all, regardless of gender, fulfill the image of the male gender. Lifting up our pure hands and clean hands is the action in which we bring our pure heart before God. We lift up our pure hearts to the Lord. Pure hands is an image of a pure heart in which there lacks resentment and which does not violate the landmarks of its neighbor two very important components in a pure heart and does not unlawfully go into his neighbor's area. Soon as someone brings pain on me, Christian or unchristian, perhaps not even recognizing it, but sometimes according to foolishness, ignorance, sometimes according to stiffness. All of a sudden, I feel that 
I am in pain, I immediately begin to pray, Lord, I forgive him in the name of Jesus Christ. Touch him. I'm not talking about when someone begins to sin against God's order, against God, against... When he lifts up his finger and says something resentful, yes, of course, we need to stop this kind of person and forbid him in the name of Jesus. But when I say when he specifically brings pain upon me, I pray, Lord, I give the situation over to you. I forgive. I can't let there be pain in my heart. It is going... And even when we are reminded of this pain, I thank God that the man of God has taught us and this kind of state of resentment. All of this we can take and we can remove it. We can remove this envy. We can uproot it momentarily. It must be foreign to our heart. And we must look carefully after our heart so that if potentially there is some kind of uh, some kind of unacceptance happens, then we are we are aware because we want to fulfill the basic of the Lord correctly. So we ought not to violate the landmarks of our neighbor. Does not unlawfully enter into into his area, onto his land. We have been taught how to be in brotherly love with one another and in respect we must do so in respect towards one another. And if we do not do this in this kind of respect, we violate the landmarks of our neighbor and then we can't lift up our hands. We will say, why can't I lift up my hands? Oh, because there has not been respect. Sometimes we ought not to respect someone and we understand this. Yes, of course, if he acts in such a way that is uh, disorderly, then I will not respect him. Fifth, or rather, Psalm 66, verses 18 through 20, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certain God has heard me, and he has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. The fifth component of eating breads of purity and truth, this person will be clothed in the ability to be saved from the hypocrite with his mouth that destroys. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbors, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Proverbs 11.9 This knowledge is comprised of the ability to be led by wisdom. So it's the ability to be knowledgeable and to see that there is something incorrect going from coming from this person and to evade it. This knowledge is to foresee a potential danger. God makes our intuition so sharp that we don't allow ourselves to butt heads. No, we have this knowledge from the Lord. It is contained in the wisdom that is gained through knowledge of God and the ability to be led by this knowledge and this wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. We should know that the action of wisdom in us is the action of the mind of Christ. 
that comes from the personified wisdom in the face of Jesus Christ, whom we accept in ourselves during our worthy partaking of the Pasic Lamb. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30 And he who partakes of the Pesach of the Lord with breads of purity and truth will have the ability to inherit promise. And number seven, he is going to have the ability to not hope in his own riches, but the riches of faith which God has placed in his heart. And there are bitter herbs, and also a very important, if God allows us, we will review it perhaps at our next service but right now we are going to pray and to affirm in our prayer before God and to thank Him for these words that God has made His treasures accessible to us and we will thank God for this Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ we thank you we thank you for the riches of your wisdom in Christ Jesus, which you speak through through your order. We thank you for the church, for the good wife, which we have discovered in the face of this church, this movement, and have accepted the precious promise into our heart. We thank you for the promise of the renewal being clothed into our new man, of the renewal with the spirit of our mind so that we can be renewed, Lord, and as a result, you can clothe us into the new man. We have accepted this news, this truth that is hidden in your word and that is hidden from many so-called believing Christians. My Lord, we are grateful to you. We thank you for your messenger, our pastor. We thank you for that word that you have laid in his heart in which he faithfully speaks for his church. Your voice is heard among thousands of others. There are those people, apostles of yours, that are chosen by you. We have heard your voice from the man of God and have accepted this word and have accepted him and we bless him out of your temple may he be brought joy from your holy countenance and all of his house we bless and we thank you for it we ask we pray for us to be affirmed in the truth that this man of God has taught us we know whom we have been taught by. We know that this is your messenger, and we thank you, and we rejoice with the joy 
we rejoice in this word that we have hidden in our heart as those that have found a great treasure a great inheritance allow us Lord to enter into this inheritance to see this word fulfilled in our life we call the inexistent as existent and we thank you for our new bodies when your life is going to swallow up death when the old man is going to be cast into hell we thank you that you cast our old men into hell and you clothe our bodies into the resurrection of Christ and we rejoice before you and we thank you for this mercy and for this revelation and for this victory allow us as those who have exited out of the land of Egypt having been delivered from the carnal state from the slavery allow us to enter into the land of promise collaborating with you walking under your your high and uplifted hand and keeping ourselves in obedience and in your order fulfilling the statute of Pesach we will eat of the lamb and to know the lamb with unleavened breads and with bitter herbs which is the cross of Christ and collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ we will enter into your victory and into your inheritance and as the Lord lives who is strong to make his promise known and has spoken these words that are great and mighty he who is strong to lead us to victory and to show glory in the bodies of your saints we thank you we praise your holy name and we ask let our hearts and our lamps wait for your word in the following services when you will renew this word in our hearts and affirm us in this word that we can be before you as those that have found fullness we thank you when we bow down before you almighty god father son and holy spirit amen our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and let us conclude with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.